Fred Plotkin's known for his discerning palate. He's written The Indispensable Guides, Italy for the Gourmet Traveler, and Opera 101. Fred leads occasional tours in Europe, and in between assignments, gets to uncover the delights of the continent on his own. Recently, he found that Paris is meant to be savored on foot. Bonjour, Fred. Un plaisir. Fred, you, uh, you've gone to Paris for decades, and uh, you still enjoy it. What's some dimension of Paris that just never gets old for you? Well, the fact that every day is discovery. I lived there for a while as a student, and I go there frequently, and I've been to all the famous sites, the Eiffel Tower, the Arc de Triomphe, the Louvre, and so on. But it is a large, though compact, cosmopolitan city, and I'm a New Yorker, and I don't know how to drive. That's been a lifestyle choice for me because I don't want to impact the environment with a car, but also because... Being out and walking, I meet people, I learn things. And in Paris, someone who walks about is known as a flaneur. And I learned long ago that I can be a flaneur in Paris, making discoveries every day. Paris is divided into 20 districts. They're called arrondissements. And the lower numbers, like 1, 2, 3, are right in the center. But the larger numbers, 13, 14, 15, 18, and so on, are the outer districts of the city. So what I like to do is, say, get on a train or a bus and go to an outer arrondissement, get off, and just walk. Hmm. And recently I did that in Paris in three different districts. And what did you discover? Well, for example, the 13th, which is in the southeast corner of the city, the edge of Paris, was a district that in the past had warehouses for food and products and so on, But they recently opened the Francois Mitterrand Library. It's a gorgeous building. And around that have sprung up shops where local people go, cafes, new libraries for children, a school of journalism, Mm. all kinds of things where there are only Parisians. Plus, they took existing buildings, for example, the flour mills of the 19th century, are now gorgeous conference centers and so on. And when the Parisians extend their city out to the borders, it means that people don't necessarily have to congregate near Mm -hmm. the Arc de Triomphe or the Opera right in the middle of the city. And it means that the Parisians use their city better. Parisians are great because they have wonderful public transport. So for two euros, you can get from the city center to the 13th in about 20 minutes. Mm And I loved wandering around, listening to students, noticing that in our era, when bookshops were closing because people buy books on the Internet, new bookshops opened in this neighborhood near the library. It's a district where publishing has moved. And frankly, had I not gone there as a flaneur, I would never have known this part of Paris. To see people sitting at tables reading books not looking at tablets or smartphones, was a revelation to me, and I felt I could associate with these people. And it's a thing we would never know if we just stayed right around the Galerie Lafayette, for example. I was just in Paris a few months ago, and I remember one morning I was sort of on my agenda. I had to go see the new Picasso Gallery, the museum that had just reopened after being closed for a long time. And I calculated I could take the metro there or I could take a taxi it wasn't a convenient connection. And then I thought, you know, it'd just be 15, 20 more minutes if I walk. And 
it turned out to be the highlight of my day. And it wasn't even a non-touristy area like you're talking about, but it was out in the neighborhoods anyways because Paris is a collection of neighborhoods. And so many times I just stopped and I took a moment and I marveled at the scene, the community, the fabric of, of life there, the hardworking little shops, uh, look above the crowds and uh, appreciate the architecture that is so often neglected, listen to the giggle of the children on the carousel, uh, think of the old man that's uh, uh, walking his dog as he does every morning. And the scene was just enchanting. I just was reminded that's a huge part of your experience in any great city, but especially in Paris. Yes. On another day, I went to the Ninth. Now, the Ninth is really pretty central. It's just above the Grand Boulevards where the department stores and the old opera house are. But it's a neighborhood of working-class people. At the northern end is Pigalle, the Folie Berger, and all of that. But what it also has, it has a street that I had heard about but never seen, Rue des Martyrs, the Martyrs Street, Mm. which is maybe the best food street I've ever been on in Paris because it's strictly local. It's not a famous market. It's not a department store. It's not La Grande Pisserie that has Mm -hmm. $20 bottles of nectarine juice. Mm -hmm. But rather, it was a street where real people go. Mm -hmm. And one of the rotisseries there had chicken and duck and so on that was delicious. I remember the address number 22 had the best croissant that I've ever tasted in Paris. Mm. And so next time I'm in Paris, it's right back to number 22 Rue des Martyrs. Just up the street was a shop, it was a sliver of a shop, where they had a few chocolates and it was cold weather. So you can get hot chocolate for three euros in a little cup, five euros in a bigger cup. Everywhere you looked, there was food activity going on. People were cleaning oysters. People were paring vegetables in such a way to get rid of the spoiled leaves and just sell the pretty parts. Everything was going on. It was people who were deeply invested in what they sell, but without a cognizance that someone was looking at them and learning and being fascinated because they were all Parisians. And just nearby was a street called Notre-Dame-de-Lorette. And there were two shops there, but especially one at number 51 was a young couple, very smiling couple. In the front were carefully selected cheeses, not too many, but in the back were four tables. And I said, why tables? And they said, well, we cook with our cheese and we have a limited menu. I had the best croque monsieur, which is ham and cheese sandwich grilled that I've ever had, and they had a Jerusalem artichoke soup with Cantal cheese. And I didn't spend much, had a little glass of wine and a cup of coffee, and one of the best meals I've ever had in Paris in the back of a cheese shop in a neighborhood where tourists don't go. Isn't that something? That's an inspiration right there to get out there and not only explore, but but take with you a little understanding of the cultural context. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with gastronome, cultural maven, and pleasure activist Fred Plotkin. And we are exploring Paris in a flaneur kind of way. That means wandering with a free spirit and an appreciation for the intimate details that are just everywhere you look in a great cultural capital like Paris. You know, you're a lifelong student of of different cultures and so on, so you'll know a little bit of of what you're looking for and, and be able to understand better what you're seeing. But I think any traveler should remember that if you can bone up on things a little bit in advance, know the context, know what you're looking for, and then have that adventurous spirit where you can actually venture into the back of that cheese shop and and sit down and 
get to know the people and, and uh, sample the menu, there's a lifetime of travel experiences awaiting anybody with taking that approach into Paris. And often it's just a matter of paying a little more attention. The fact that I walked into the shop drawn by the cheese but then saw four tables, mm-hmm. I asked what the tables are for. Other people may have just walked out. Mm-hmm. But my asking led to them smiling and having me sit down and telling me their limited menu. I discovered an element of a neighborhood and of people who live there who probably knew that there's this wonderful soup and this wonderful cheese sandwich and that what better way to have a nice typical French lunch. This is sort of a challenge in a lot of Europe and a lot of the world is with with tourism and with affluence. A lot of the characteristic, uh, you know, small little cafes and shops are being driven out by big chain stores and and boutiques and and fancy places. Sort of a sad... uh, result of uh, these this new affluence in Barcelona, the, the Ramblas, which used to be a great place to stroll, has lost its character now because uh, the local people no longer go to the, the great market on the Ramblas because it's been taken over by tourists. So it's important, uh, as you're talking about, Fred, to walk away from the tourist zones and, and find these, in the case of Paris, these districts or arrondissements that are not you know built and designed around tourism. But that's also the magic of public transport, Mm-hmm. that if you get a, a day card for a city, get on whatever bus you see and ride it until you see something you want to look at mm-hmm. and then get off and then get on another bus and go elsewhere. You don't have to have a checklist of destinations, no. but what you want to do is come home with memories that are unique to you. And the way to do that is to not go where everybody else is going. And be a little bit of an extrovert. If you see a, a gang of retired men playing petanque, They'd love it if an American tourist stumbled up to them and say, um, you know, excusez-moi, <laughs> bonjour, what you doing? And then they'd teach how to play petanque, and it's a memory for them, and it's a memory for you. But always try to give them something in return. I don't mean money. Give them emotional memory. Yeah. I was on a flaneur trip the other day, and, and I went to the 13th, and I went into a shop, and I wound up buying a jacket there. And the salesman was very friendly, and he had recently been to my hometown of New York, and I asked him about it, and I chided him for only eating fast food in my beautiful food city. (laughs) And we developed a bond in 10 minutes that's not the same as a transaction. And as I was leaving, he stopped me and he said, I'd like to give you a gift, and he gave me a tie to go with my new jacket. He said, I want you to remember that people in Paris think of Americans well. And he said that if all my clients were like you, I would never take a vacation. Now, that's a lovely compliment. But I realized that by extending kindness and listening to someone else, rather than just coming in with my own agenda, Mm -hmm. you make a friend and you make people happier. And that's what travel and human relations are about. Man, you just summed it up there. This is uh, Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking with Fred Plotkin, talking about flaneur, strolling, aimlessly wandering to be uh, what Fred calls a pleasure activist. Fred, thanks so much for um, inspiring us to really get intimate with a great and very human city, Paris. Thank you, Rick. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. 
To learn more, visit the Travel Store at richsteves.com.